Welcome to Solutions Cast, a CFC podcast that highlights cooperative network projects and leader stories, as well as economic and energy industry insights. I'm your host, Christine Pachenik. On today's episode, we are going to discuss Winter Storm Elliott, which occurred this past December of 2022. In a winter which has really been deemed fairly mild for much of the U.S., this one winter storm has been called a bomb cyclone and a historic Arctic outbreak by the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. It brought frigid temperatures, snowfall, and high winds to much of the United States. This in turn caused widespread disruptions to many electric cooperatives, as well as unprecedented load curtailments. The last piece of that about the curtailments is one piece that I really want to dig into today to examine what opportunities we might have to build resiliency in the face of extreme weather events. Joining me today to discuss the storm is Roman Siegert, CFC's Senior Energy Industry Analyst. Roman, welcome. Thank you, Christine. Now, Roman, can you tell me a little bit about your role here at CFC and what you do? I know I've worked closely with you on a lot of our industry trends and uh, you also write some of our materials for solutions, but uh, I want to hear it directly from you. Absolutely. So I work in the Utility Research and Policy Group as a Senior Energy Industry Analyst. Me and my team conduct research on organized energy markets and changes in the generation fuel mix across North America. Uh, More recently, extreme weather events have become a very relevant topic for electric co-ops recently because they impact not only the physical integrity of power lines and equipment, but also they affect power prices at both the wholesale and the retail levels. Great. Yeah. And now Winter Storm Elliott, like I mentioned, brought the the unprecedented load curtailments. Can you identify what those main issues were that caused the curtailments? Well, there were several issues that basically created the perfect storm for the electric grid during the days before Christmas last year. I'm going to break those down and and talk a little bit about each one. So the first one is uh, low temperatures. Single-digit temperatures and high winds basically disrupted normal operations in a matter of hours. Some areas actually experienced the most drastic temperature drop in a decade. And as a result, instrumentation lines froze and auto malfunctions occurred. But not only the temperatures was the problem, the forecasting was also uh, an issue there during those days because uh, the demand that the uh, organized energy markets were able to predict uh, came up much higher than what they forecasted. So, for example, PJM representatives said that actual load came in over 10% above the forecast around those days. And in a similar way, the Tennessee Valley Authority, or TVA, They stated that December 23 marked the first time in TVA's 90-year history that they have had to direct targeted load curtailments due to extreme power demand. So this underestimation of the demand also happened in the Carolinas as well. Uh, Because of the extremely cold weather and the unusually high requirement for electricity, electric co-ops reached a point where demand for electricity exceeded the supply, and that's when all the power outages occurred. Now, going back to the frigid temperatures that you mentioned, those specifically caused issues that led to a gas supply shortage. Can you talk to the power generation risks that exist and some ways that we could potentially mitigate those for the future? Yes. So in addition to uh, the temperatures and the demand forecasting, 
two other problems occur at the same time. Basically, uh, the availability of the generation plants that the grid operators have at their disposal. There were extensive power plant outages during the storm, and the majority were due to equipment issues at gas-fired power plants, including failure to start some units and some units tripping. And I can mention three of the of the markets that had uh, issues with this, uh, MISO, PJM, and ERCOT. All of them, they had lots of generating capacity forced offline each day, leading the grid operators to take emergency steps to maintain reliability. Nevertheless, MISO, for example, was still able to export power to help neighboring regions like PJM. And to address your question more specifically, uh, fuel supply issues were also evident during those days. So natural gas was mostly used for heating given the low temperatures, which left less natural gas available for power generation. Also because of the higher than expected demand, procuring natural gas on short notice was a big issue for generators. Now, the good news is that in some regions, uh, some alternative uh, sources or fuels uh, were uh, helping. For example, wind energy and oil fire generators, they help mitigate the shortage caused by natural gas plants. Now, while, while all this was happening, natural gas production dropped because the extremely low temperatures caused wells and pipelines to shut temporarily. In this scenario, it was necessary to tap the natural gas in storage and increase pipeline imports from Canada. That seems like a lot for us to be able to learn from, uh, from those issues. How do you think you can break that down for us? Summarizing uh, what happened, basically uh, the extreme cold uh, basically caused the, the power outages and the utilities and the co-ops, they had to basically curtail the load for many of the customers in a, in a way that they were not uh, prepared to do. Do you think there's additional ways in changing for the planning, the preparation that would go into a winter storm like Elliot? You mentioned the forecasting issues. How do you see a way forward for forecasting for a storm like that so that we don't have to go through rolling blackouts? Yeah, exactly. So yeah, as I mentioned, it, this was an extremely low uh, temperature event, and what I what I have been reading about is that when uh, uh, utilities and co-ops they do their planning, they they of course take into account worst case scenarios, and that those premises uh, are going to be changing because uh, these extreme events are kind of outliers of what has been happening in the past. So including these outliers or more extreme temperatures into their forecast will help, will contribute to, to have a better planning. And, and that will result in, in securing more resources in advance for generators. And talking about resources a little bit, what resources do you think electric co-ops can rely on to help build the resiliency in the face of winter storms? I know the 2021 Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act provides nearly $15 billion in federal funding for grid improvements, which also includes energy storage. The 2022 Inflation Reduction Act also provides more incentives for energy storage projects than ever before. How do you see that potentially impacting getting ready for a storm like Elliott in the future? Yes, yeah, so those incentives are going to be really important because on one side of the story, grid operators are going to be able to improve the transmission 
between the energy markets and to be able to, you know, move more electricity when it's, when it's needed and where it's needed. And on the other hand, these incentives will basically help co-ops build more uh, localized generation, like, like solar plants with battery storage, which will serve as a backup to the main uh, power uh, being supplied. So having those additional resources in place, I think, would be very convenient for co-ops to be prepared, and especially for those high-demand uh, moments that are happening both during the winter season and during the uh, summer season. Do you see having a broader generation mix really being also key to this? I know you mentioned shortages in the, in gas. Does that play a factor at all? Yes, absolutely. And I guess having ready more resources in case of demand peaks like this is uh, is very important. And of course, grid operators know this. So it's not only natural gas that needs to be av- available. It's nuclear, it's uh, coal plants and of course renewable. So one uh, important part of the equation here is the energy storage, which uh, as we just said uh, after incentives is gonna, uh, it's gonna grow, it's gonna continue growing. And that energy storage will, be, will play a key role into maintaining the, the stability of the grid and improving the reliability. And this, alre- this is already happening, which is good. Yeah, I can tell from talking with a lot of our co-ops, energy storage is, is a large uh, topic area that that I see uh, pop up, and it's it's interesting to see all of the opportunities that exist there. Any other opportunities that we haven't touched on? I I would like to mention the the demand side, which is the demand response. I mean, in the pa- in the recent past, uh, uh, utilities have been able to cope with these demand peaks by talking in advance with their consumers, for example, industrial consumers, and making agreements for them to reduce the load when the operator needs it. So they can you know, reduce the, the, the amount of electricity that needs to be supplied. So that demand, demand response can be expanded, and it's been expanded, to, to make uh, customers a part of the, of the generation uh, contribution and making sure that all work uh, together to to achieve the goal of providing reliable electricity. And one more thing I would like to mention is the energy efficiency part, which is basically the effort of uh, weatherization of all the power plants. Uh, many of the power plants, uh, mostly gas, natu- uh, natural gas, they fail at the level of the equipment because of the low temperatures. So weatherizing those is going gonna, is gonna to be important in the future to to have them prepare for low temperatures. And can you talk a little bit, how can those be weatherized? What are some options? Uh, if we, if I can mention, for example, pipelines, they need to have uh, insulation or, for example, compressors. They need to have a very low temperature settings and, and safety devices so they, they, they don't trip if the temperature reaches certain limits. So that's on the, on the technical and equipment side but also at the building level, uh, adding more insulation to buildings and to residences, that is going to be very critical because that will result in using less natural gas for heating and make that natural gas available for power generation. Okay, that's fascinating. It's something I wouldn't have thought of from a residential perspective. Yes, absolutely. Great. Just to wrap up, do you think you could touch on kind of the main lesson for electric co-ops looking at resiliency in the face of a, a storm like Elliot? 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think one uh, key element that has been evident is the collaboration between uh, co-ops uh, and in this case at the wholesale level between markets uh, for them to be able to share resources and to export or import electricity from one to another. That collaboration is uh, going to be more critical. It's going to be more necessary to keep the lights on. And uh, there is a lot of conversation going on about transmission because uh, every time they install a new remote solar plant or wind plant that needs to be connected to the grid. So having that transmission capacity, additional transmission capacity built is going to be key for for both co-ops and uh, generators to make sure the electricity flows everywhere where they need it. And it sounds like those relationships between distribution co-ops and generation and transmission co-ops are also going to be key as as they work towards a, a better future together. Yes, absolutely. And of course, customers are uh, preferring uh, greener sources of energy, so that also will will play a role in this in this uh, situation. So that communication, as you said, between the users and the generators is going to be key to achieve a, a more diverse uh, fuel mix in the future. Excellent. Well, Roman, thank you so much. I always appreciate your expertise and your insight. I hope our listeners get a chance to look at the most recent solutions article that you also have. You had some interesting charts and graphs in there that also dove into, I think, the numbers of Winterstorm Elliott as well. And if there's any other time that I can have you back on, I definitely will. Thank you so much. Be sure to listen to more episodes of CFC's Solutions Cast on your favorite podcast app and check out www.nrucfc.coop solutions for more cooperative news.